0: this is dream power radio the place where your dreams turn into reality here is your host debbie specter weissman
1: hello 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 and welcome to dream power radio on the amazing women and men of power network the world's leading positive reprogramming network powered by raven international i'm your host debbie specter weissman the dream coach this is the show where we talk about dreams both daytime and nighttime dreams, and how you can use them to make the internal shift to a life you love and rediscover the truth of who you really are. When I first began my study of dream work, I was totally unaware of the new world I was about to enter, and boy, what a world it is. On my journey, I discovered many books and videos that better inform my understanding of dreams as well as the organization that's devoted to the advancement of that knowledge, the International Association for the Study of Dreams. Each year, they hold a conference that features speakers on all aspects of dream work. And this year, the conference is virtual, being held from June 13th to June 17th. I'm happy to have the chair of that conference, Robert Haas, on as my guest today. Bob is also a director and past president of the International Association for the Study of Dreams, is a noted instructor, and author or editor of over a dozen books, including Dream Language and Dreams, Understanding Biology, Psychology and Culture. Welcome to Dream Power Radio, Bob.
2: Well, thank you, Debbie. Appreciate you here.
1: Oh, it is my pleasure. And Bob, I have to tell you, when you were on Dream Power Radio last year, you told us about the dream you had that convinced you that you had to cancel last year's conference because of the pandemic. Did you ever dream this year that led you to hold the conference virtually?
2: Well, unfortunately, yes. (laughs) My dreams would not let me alone. (laughs) <laughs> but yes, I, I indeed had a couple uh, dreams. One of them that was was particularly interesting was that I had, uh, I felt totally defeated <laughs> by the situation, and I was about ready to totally give up. And I had a dream where what I saw was a boxer, you know, big, he had big muscles and, and whatnot. And he was bent over and totally defeated and disheartened, and he was done for. You know, so at first impression in the dream was, you know, this guy has ended this particular match and may be done for. But then a voice in the dream came up and basically said, he says, no, he's just exhausted. He has all the strength. Look at his muscles. He has all the strength to recover and go on and uh, so what the dream was was kind of doing it was not only showing me my attitude but trying to show me a different way of looking at it and basically providing me a safe place to sense that that new vision what happened then at the end of the dream was the boxer rose up and flexed his muscles and were ready for the next round and um, as a result of that I realized that I've was ready for the next round <laughs> which was the conference
1: well I tell you, you know, the reason I brought this up was because I think that having dreams like this it's a perfect example of how we can use our dreams in our daily lives to solve problems and to get answers to questions that
2: we may not have the answers to in our waking life wouldn't you agree Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's part of the function of the dream uh, in the dreaming brain. When we go to sleep at night, our brain does not shut off. A great deal of it remains active or it actually activates. And there's are certain areas that account for why dreams are so helpful to us. One of the primary areas is the limbic system, which deals with processing emotion and emotional memories and things of that sort. And what occurs is that when you have an event in your life that's disastrous, like the conference having to be canceled or something of that sort, there's two things that happen. The first thing is the event itself. The second is how you perceived it emotionally and how you reacted to it. And it's that part of the event that our dreams work on because it's that part of the brain that activates most highly, particularly in REM sleep, when your eyes are moving and your dreams are more vivid. But then also there's a part of the interfrontal cortex of the brain that surrounds the limbic system that's uh, responsible for problem resolution. And... And learning and this tends to introduce a different way of looking at the situation, such as with the boxer example I just gave. This voice comes in, this inner part of the brain comes in and says, Oh no, let's, let's look at this a little differently. You know, he's still got big muscles. And then finally, the whole dream is painted on a screen of the associative cortex, which is it, it talks or speaks in a language of association. For instance, it, my dream did not show a canceled conference or anything of that sort. What my dream showed was a picture of my feelings. It showed a picture of this defeated boxer. Okay, so it, it's the associated, it shows associations uh, with our feelings. And that's what our dreams are. All three areas work together to try to resolve the problem.
1: Would you say when when you're trying to understand what your dream is telling you do you think that that the emotional aspect is the most important part to focus on?
2: Yeah, because that's what the dream basically focuses on. It rarely brings in the actual event itself, except some sometimes you'll get the repetitive PTSD dreams that will do that. But even then, those dreams are attempting to try to resolve the emotional aspect of the situation. They'll, they'll actually break it up, the event. They'll break it into pieces and parts that it can handle. And then the dream will be about one particular aspect of the trauma. And then another dream at some other time will be about another aspect of the trauma.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good. Getting back to the IASD, it's been holding its conference annually and it's always been a great way for dream workers to get together and compare notes and meet each <laughs> other again. But it's also been a place where information about dream work is shared well, humans have been working with their dreams for thousands of years. So what could possibly be new in dream work?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, dream, dream work has evolved and is always <coughs> continuing to evolve. There's various new techniques that, that have evolved from the time of Freud that have fed the dream work we do today. Some of them, I was trained in gestalt therapy from Fritz Perl's where you actually role-play or become some character in the dream, and it helps you to reveal those emotions that are in that, in that particular dream area or in that dream image. Other um, Jung, uh, for example, although the, these people lived years ago and developed their techniques... They've all sort of formed or massaged the way that we do dream work today. Jung was particularly looked at the collective unconscious, how the inner self comes out in the dreams in terms of archetypes uh, and uh, images that are somewhat common between dreams, but they They represent inner emotional forces and inner uh, psychological forces. And what happens in today's dream work, modern dream work, is the psychologists who've studied across these different fields become very eclectic about it. They paste together these different approaches into new dream ways of working with dream work. And one of the nice things about our conference is that we have a lot of those different psychologists who do different types of dream work, but it's really kind of a pacing together of some of the earlier techniques in brand new ways that help us to reveal what our dream is talking about and what the images are revealing to us.
1: <clears throat> uh, can you tell us about some of the people who are going to be making presentations this
2: year? Some of the keynotes are pretty interesting. We've got a couple of different tracks this year that we're featuring. One of them is uh, dreaming in the arts track, which has uh, gotten very large at the conference, and another one is dreams and ethnicity: how uh, ethnic groups uh, can deal with their dreams or do with their do deal with their dreams and what their dreams are are about. For instance, we have um, union analyst Dr. Fannie Brewster who's talking about dreams, letting my heart be broken. It's it's sort of a a union way of looking at it. Dr. Eduardo Duran, who was a psychologist in Indian, who's been a psychologist in Indian country, for example, for um, over 30 years. And he's giving a talk on bringing form from the black world to the plant world. Tori Nielsen is our research keynote. He'll be talking, he's a professor at the University of Montreal, He's talking about sleep, sleep onset dream, dreaming, some of those interesting dreams you have as you, as you fall asleep. Uh, and Keith Salmon, this, he's giving one of the most beautiful visual audio and visual presentations. He gave one uh, a couple of years ago at our conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we, we loved it. So we asked him to come back and he, he's presenting something called To Walk in Beauty. And uh, it's uh, sort of a melding of how nature and dreams work together. Just just fascinating. And then we've got an invited speaker, Dr. Michael Nadorf, who's talking about bad dreams and nightmares. <clears throat> and we actually have uh, about 140 presentations. Yeah. The other interesting thing is it's not just the
1: actual dreams itself that people talk about. You also have people talking about sleep and sleep studies related to dream also as well.
2: Yes, a lot of the dream researchers have come from the world of sleep studies. And uh, some of them just basically will talk about sleep studies, although the, the focus of the conference is mainly on how dreaming comes from that nighttime activity of sleep.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds exciting. I mean, I can't wait for this to start. <laughs> Getting into some of the more specific aspects of dream work. One of the things I'm asked about a lot and seems like I've been asked about this more in recent years is lucid dreaming. I know for some people it comes naturally. When I first started out doing uh, dream life coaching, I met this woman who Had lucid dreams. She thought everybody did. She thought it was just the natural way of being. And I was amazed, like, wow, you could actually do this. But it can (laughs) be learned. Why would anybody want to learn how to be a lucid dreamer?
2: Well, the nice thing about lucid dreaming is it is so helpful. It's not only a lot of fun. Most people usually find find out or maybe never get beyond flying and, and doing whatever you want in this magical world uh, once you realize you're dreaming. But it is very, very healthy because what's happening now is in a regular dream, you're strolling around as as a sort of non-willing ego uh, experiencing whatever the dream brings to you trying to resolve problems but when you're in lucid dreaming all of a sudden you are an awake conscious ego that now can contribute to the healing process and the learning process so you can now dialogue with the unconscious i i call that the wisdom behind the dream you can call it the collective unconscious some people call it a lot of divine wisdom. When I get lucid, the first thing I do is is turn around to this wisdom that's that's deeper within the dream and ask a question, an open-ended question like what should I do to get out of this situation or something of that sort. And the dream will then morph into a new lucid dream which will basically either metaphorically or sometimes directly answer that question.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, if somebody wants to learn how to be a lucid dreamer, how do they start?
2: Well, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different ways of becoming lucid or le- learning how to uh, lucid dream. One is the way you mentioned, just it naturally comes to you. It did when I was a child, which was the reason why I got so interested in dream work. My dreams are kind of lucid and I could do things, but there's a number of techniques. And uh, one that I found is find is very um, useful for me. It's called wake back to bed, where you wake up uh, earlier than you normally would. Either and I, it's usually when I do it naturally, get up for about half hour to an hour and read a book or do something relaxing, and then go back to bed. And sometimes when you go back to bed, all you have changed your circadian rhythms uh, uh, you know, versus your REM cycle to the degree that suddenly your dream goes lucid. I find that works for me easier than other ones. One of the uh, probably the ways that is most common is is re- reality testing of some sort. Um, yeah, Carlos Castaneda did it with hands, um, but during the daytime, you, you know, just when you can remember and go, "Is this a dream? Is this a dream?" or do something like try to poke your finger through your hand. Is this a dream? And of course, when you're awake. You know, uh, you realize that it isn't. But what you're doing is you're training self, yourself for the night time for your actual dreaming experience. So that's a very successful one. Entering from being awake is another approach. But that I find is very, very hard to just try to fall asleep while, and while you're still awake and get into a dream that way. But. Actually, one night I was able to achieve this. And this has to do with our conferences, too. I I was able to actually achieve it. In fact, one night I woke and could lull myself back into sleep into a lucid dream four times. The fourth dream was pretty interesting. I was floating above an outdoor stadium which was featuring our IASD conference. I was managing the stadium was almost filled, which was a very happy thought. Uh, And on stage were some presenters who were working with the dream as if it were a play. It was very colorful and dynamic and beautiful. And as it ended, I began to float off into the sky slowly, feeling really fulfilled, and said to myself out loud, "What what creativity What a wonderful organization to be a part of. And then I woke up. (laughs) So that sort of inspired me to keep on going with the
0: conference.
1: (laughs) Well, that just shows you the power of dreams that we have. And with that, we're going to take a short break here. We are speaking all about dreams with Robert Haas. And we'll be right back. What do Thomas Jefferson, Elias Howe, and Paul McCartney have in common? They all understood the value of dreams. And as a result, the ideas, inventions, and creations from their dreams affect us to this day. What great ideas are you leaving on your pillow at night? Sign up for a complimentary consultation at my website, thedreamcoach.net, and discover why your dreams
0: are a terrible thing to waste. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Specter weissman
1: Yes, welcome back to Dream Power Radio. I'm your host, Debbie Spector Weissman, and we're speaking all about dreams and dream work with Dream Master Robert Haas. So, Bob, we, before the break, we were talking about lucid dreaming. And uh, there's another lucid dream that you had that you'd like to share with us.
2: Well, there was another one that I had that really made me realize the power of lucid dreaming for healing. As well as understanding that there really truly is a a very deep and wise wisdom behind our dreams. I had one that almost presented this wisdom in almost a divine sort of form. Um, It was one of the situations that I'm in is I I have someone that I uh, need to care for uh, and will totally depend on me for their care. And this is something that I'm not a whole lot used to. (laughs) So I was worried about what is it that I need in order to get through this situation. And that night I uh, dreamed I was at a a boat dock, but I realized I was dreaming at that point. And so I did what I normally do. I called out uh, to the wisdom behind the dream. Show me what I need to get through this situation. I said it a couple of times, very intently, and I was suddenly found myself raised up into the cosmos where I became one with this universal crystal light. Everything was just made of this beautiful blue crystal light. And I raised my arms up, but I could see right through them. I realized my body was made of the same crystal energy, this light, and I was one with the whole thing. And I suddenly felt this intent bliss like I've never felt before in my life. I just couldn't even imagine feeling this blissful. And so I just sat there or laid there, floated there, just taking all this in. And I forgot even what I was there for. And suddenly I remembered. wait a minute. And I turned around to the wisdom of the dream. I said, you know, this is really wonderful, but what's the answer to my question? What do I need to get through this situation of of this caretaking that I'm going to be faced with? And what occurred then is suddenly these little red hearts started floating around in this matrix of light and they formed this giant red heart. And all the while there was this celestial music playing in the background, but also I can hear a little song playing. And so I listened really intently to hear what the song was and it increased in volume, increased in volume. It was the Beatles. All you need is love. And that was the answer to my question. Ah. A beautiful dream, but you can see the, the wisdom that was there and and I knew it to be true. I I had to take care of a mother this way. and, And I, I just knew it to be true. That's all. I'm muted. Yeah,
1: and and the dream was it didn't give you the answer, but it validated the path to take. Which is yes, you know what? By the way, and the amazing thing is that we are doing this ourselves. It's our bodies, it's our brain, it's our unconscious part, whatever you want to call it, that's doing it. That, that's giving us these yes. wonderful
2: images and answers. You know, a lot of people are afraid of lucid dreaming because they the common thinking is that, well, if, if I'm in there, you know, as the ego, I'm controlling the dream, you know, my, I've, I've defiled my dream. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> you, you're actually the ego anyway, in, in your normal dreaming, you're just not part of what's happening consciously. And so you haven't really defiled it. And most people find out when they really get into lucid dreaming. The first thing they'll do is they'll they'll uh, fly or have fun, play around in the dream. Most people don't even get much past that point. But then when they realize that they can interact with their dream characters, uh, all of a sudden it begins to change a little bit. And if the first tendency to react with a dream character is go up to one and say, uh, do you know that you're a a character in my dream Uh, or do you know that you're a dream character? I I had one incident when when I did that and what the dream character did, it turned around to me. He says, yes, I realize I'm the character in in your dream, but I'm dreaming you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did that freak you out?
2: Well, no, it made me smile because, you know, you realize that you're only a tiny part of self. All the rest of self is in the rest of that dream. So you're just a minor player, even though you think you're, the biggest player, you're a minor player. And all the other characters in the dream are other parts of yourself that are going to say, wait a minute, you know, you're not all there is. And that's the opportunity that lucid dreaming gives you is the opportunity to then interchange and interact with these characters. Robert Wagner, he's written a couple uh, books on, on lucid dreaming, but I like to, this is very Jungian And I like to use this example to show the value of lucid dreaming. What Jung said is that in dreaming or in regular dreams, um, one of the primary forces that are taking place is we're trying to become one. We're trying to become whole again. The characters, you are the ego in your dream or a part of your ego. All the other characters in the dream are parts of yourself that somehow have been alienated. That is, they're not part of you or they'd be you in the dream, right? They're other parts of yourself. And what the aim of the dream is, is it bring us back together as to one whole individual, balanced individual. And what Robert Wagner had a dream one night, he said that I realized I was dreaming and there was this dark woman behind me. So I picked her up and placed her in front of me and said, who are you? And she said, I'm a discarded aspect of yourself. So you can see the the shadow side that you talked about the other side. And Robert said, he says, I sense the truth of this and decide to accept her completely. As I mentally accept her, she suddenly collapses into wisps of colored light, which enter my torso and give me a jolt of energy. She evaporates into me as a wisp of light energy. So here you can see what Jung talked about is the integration of the two sides, the rejected side and the the ego, um, happening right there in the dream under a new decision being made by the ego. Uh, If the ego wasn't there to make that decision on its own with all the power the ego had, I doubt that integration would have happened that quickly.
1: (laughs) Mm, That's fascinating. One of the other areas of dream work that I really am very much interested in is the whole aspect of being able to use dreams for healing. So if you're plagued with something like stress or anxiety, could you use a regular dream for this or can you use a lucid dream to to find
2: solutions? Well, for stress and anxiety and for just about any sort of stressful issue you're dealing with, that's what your dreams are dealing with Anyway, and they will deal with that just just like my boxer dream did. Uh, And uh, they'll deal with that, whether you recall the dream or not, or work on it, because your dreams are naturally doing it. You'll just find yourself waking up with a little different attitude about the situation, not realizing that all this learning took place. It's nice when you can remember the dream, because then the message might come to you and, and you can really, really act on it in life. But there's also the aspect of the dream dragging you through the situation so that you will learn. And when sometimes you'll have these story-like dreams. A lot of your dreams, you'll wake up and it just seems like you haven't solved anything. But ever so often, you'll have a story-like dream. I had one when I was, I was struggling with a, a situation. I was a, an executive in a... A company a number of years ago that was going through a complete reorganization, restructuring. It was pretty nasty. And I just didn't want to stay there. But I was afraid to leave because, you know, I had a a retirement package and things like that. I didn't want to give up. So all I did was look around inside the company for other job openings. None of them were very good. But that's the only option I had given myself. I'm going to go find something in my own company and I'm not going to leave, even though I had a search firm come after me for a fabulous job elsewhere. I mean, I was stuck. Well, I had a dream that I was a passenger in a boat aimlessly moving down a dark underground river, uh trapped, looking for a position in the windows to show me a way out. So here was a picture of me looking for a position in this company that would show me a way out of this situation. So the first thing the dream did was picture the situation, picture my emotional situation. But then this inner wisdom came through in the dream and said, look. Uh, a door appeared in front of me on the boat, and this voice behind me said, You can walk out the door. And I, I looked around, I said, Well, I sort of see one on the front of the boat, and I didn't understand. And so I argued with this voice. I said, What do you mean I walk out that door? What, what's that for? And finally, after arguing with this inner self, which happens a lot, with the ego, the ego is is stubborn. So it was, after arguing with myself, I decided, okay, I'll test it out. I'll walk out that door in front of the boat. And when I did, I walked through the door, the, the boat emerged into a bright and beautiful sunlit setting of calm water. And so here was the dream reinforcing my actions. And, but the next day I woke. I didn't get that The dream had anything to do with my job situation, even though the voice said you can walk out the door. I didn't get that even that metaphor. But the very next day, I had a completely different attitude about my work situation. All of a sudden I felt free and I got in to work. Ten minutes later, the search firm called me up and said, look, we really do want you to come with us and we'll be there tomorrow to finish our interview." (laughs) <laughs> and so I ended up uh, joining IBM at that time and, uh, and and actually literally walked out the door. Mm-hmm. didn't know the dream was about that until much later. But see what the dream did is is it drugged me through the situation. I had to argue with this inner self before I finally realized I could literally walk out the door. And the
1: dream knew it. The dream knew it. Wow. This has gone by so fast. My last question to you is how can people find out more about the conference and about you?
2: Okay. There's two things. Um, about me first, because of the conference can also be entered through that, my portal at dreamscience.org. It's pretty interesting or pretty easy to remember dreamscience, but it's org. And in there there'll be an advertisement for the conference. But to go directly to the conference, it's Iasdconferences.org slash 2021. So, IASD, our organization, conferences, one word, isdconferences.org slash 2021. And you can find out all about it. And it's uh, because it's virtual, it's a lot cheaper. It's half price of a normal conference. Plus, you don't have to have a hotel and the expenses of travel and things of like that. So, I hope people will come and enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's a regular five track Conference just like our normal conferences are if they were on site. It's not just a single track. We have five different tracks going, in addition to the four keynotes that I mentioned. And there's something
1: for everybody. Something and for hopefully, hopefully next year it will be <coughs> again a real one.
2: <laughs> a real one. We're going to we're going to hold it next year in one of the most fabulous resorts in uh, Tucson, Arizona, the, the Bentana Resort.
1: That sounds fantastic. Well, Bob, thank you so much for being on Dream Power Radio today. We've been speaking with dream expert Robert Haas. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. If you have, please tell all your friends, follow me, and drop a positive review on your podcast site. And if you're on Clubhouse, join me at my club, Club Dreams, where I host weekly rooms on all aspects of dream work. Until next time, this is Debbie Specter weissman saying sweet dreams, everybody.
0: You've been listening to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Specter weissman For more information on Debbie or to sign up for her newsletter, go to dreampowerradio.com. This has been Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International.